Hello and welcome back to the Come Follow Me Bible Challenge. My name is Jeremy Howard. I'm the staff pastor at Orchard Hills Bible Church in Payson, Utah. Thanks for joining me for a little study today. In the Come Follow Me Old Testament curriculum that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is going through, this week the church is scheduled to study the book of Ruth and 1 Samuel 1-3. through Well, there's lots of great stuff in those seven chapters. Ruth is four chapters, and then the three chapters to start off 1 Samuel. Lots of cool stuff. We're actually just going to jump the book of Ruth. So, sorry if you were looking forward to me talking about Ruth. I doubt that's the case. I don't. Both of you who listen, uh, I don't. I don't think either one of you uh, were looking forward to that. <laughs> but uh, we're going to go to First Samuel chapter one. Now, I love the book of Ruth, and I love First Samuel one. I had to pick one, and I'm picking First Samuel one. If you want a good study in the book of Ruth, let me um, commend something to you. That is the book A Loving Life by Paul Miller. A Loving Life by Paul Miller. It's kind of a commentary on Ruth, but not really because it's written like a book. But it's just following the book of Ruth and, and describing love from the book of Ruth and, and what we can learn to apply to our lives and to live a loving life from the book of Ruth. So I, I would recommend that, A Loving Life by Paul Miller. But today I want us to talk about 1 Samuel 1 because there's just an amazing thing that goes on in Hannah's life. Hannah's the mother of Samuel, but... She is not yet the mother of Samuel in chapter 1. She wants to be a mother, yet the Lord has not opened her womb. Isn't it amazing that the Lord is so sovereign, so intimately sovereign, so in control of everything in life, (laughs) that it's his call as to whether or not people get pregnant, people get born. Wow. That's, That's pretty deep sovereignty. Pretty, pretty deep sovereignty. So uh, so God's very, very much involved. And that's why people like Hannah pray for a child, because God is the one who is able to bring about a pregnancy, to bring about a healthy pregnancy, to bring about a child into this life. God's got the power to do that. We don't. So I want us to jump into the text where Hannah, who, like I said, she's not yet pregnant, she's praying for a child. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 12, it came about as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli, that's the priest, was watching her mouth. As for Hannah, she was speaking in her heart, only her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. So Eli thought she was drunk. Naturally. Yeah, that's where all of our minds go, right, Eli? What a, what a strange fella. Then Eli said to her, how long will you make yourself drunk? Put away your wine from you. But Hannah replied, No, my lord, I am a woman oppressed in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant as a worthless woman, for I have spoken until now out of my great concern and provocation. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant your petition that you have asked of him. She said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Well, after that rough start with, hey, quit being so drunk, woman. Uh, After that awkward beginning to the conversation, the conversation got better, didn't it? It got better. 
And I love at the end of that, that Hannah walked away no longer being sad. That's what hope does to a person. Isn't that cool? Someone is just so distressed, like feels like my spirit is oppressed. I, I, I don't have the desires of my heart. And she's crying out to the Lord, probably exasperated, wondering if God is hearing her. If, if he's going to actually give her a clear answer to her prayers. She's asking in faith, but you have to wonder, was she starting to doubt or was she just really sad? I mean, we don't really know, but either way, she was distressed. And here the priest, once he, you know, puts on uh, more of a, a ministering heart here, he speaks words of hope to, to Hannah. He says, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant your petition that you have asked of him. May God grant you the desire of your heart. And you know what a message of hope like that does? It turns that frown upside down. Now, it's not that simple, obviously. Humans are very complicated. But the text does say, this is the last verse I read. Oh, we got, we got a saw going off in the church. I don't know if you could hear that. <laughs> the last verse says that she went her way and ate, so she probably hadn't been eating for some time, and her face was no longer sad. Hope is a beautiful thing. Hope is... Hope is very powerful, isn't it? Hope can change your day when you get a message of hope. Hope can just cause you to think with an eternal perspective, with a godly perspective, seeing things from heaven as opposed to just seeing things on the earth. Wow. That's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. Well, let's uh, continue reading. This is uh, just the very next verse, 1 Samuel chapter 1, starting at verse 19. Then they arose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord and returned again to their house in Ramah. And Elkanah had relations with Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. It came about in due time after Hannah had conceived that she gave birth to a son, and she named him Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. Isn't that sweet? Isn't that sweet? I, I love how quickly we can go in Scripture. In real life, it did not happen that quickly, right? We know that there were months and months and months where they were trying to get pregnant, and they got pregnant, and were waiting, wondering, is this baby going to be healthy or not? And, and here he comes, baby Samuel, and then we just jump forward to, you know, they didn't have hospitals then, but for our sake, we can just imagine they're in the hospital holding the baby. How precious, the mother right there holding the baby for the first time, that baby sweet head on her chest, saying, your name is Samuel. I asked God for you. Isn't that so cool? That's hope realized now, isn't it? That, that hope that was imparted to her through Eli the priest now realized that she holds baby Samuel in her hands. Ah, oh, oh, that's awesome. Let's keep reading. Then the man Elkanah went up with all his household to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, I will, 
I will not go up until the child is weaned. Then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and stay there forever. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Remain until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord confirm his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. Now when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with a three-year-old bull and one ephah of flour and a jug of wine and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh, although the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull and brought the boy to Eli, that same priest. Verse 26, she said, O my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. For this boy I prayed, and the Lord has given me my petition, which I asked of him. So I have also dedicated him to the Lord, to Yahweh. As long as he lives, he is dedicated to Yahweh, and he worshiped the Lord there. Isn't this amazing? Hannah giving back to the Lord what was given to her. What an amazing act of faith. What an amazing selfless act of worship this is. Giving her son to Yahweh because Yahweh gave her her son. That's beautiful. That's so beautiful. Now, I want you to understand, and I think you probably do, that this is just all of grace. Did Hannah deserve her child? No. Nope. Do we ever deserve any gifts that we get? No. I mean, at that point, then they're no longer gifts, right? Then they're wages. It's something that we've earned. But here, God is giving Hannah totally a gift. This is all of grace. This is not something earned, not something deserved. God doesn't owe her this. It's not that she performed X, Y, Z, and then she got the child. That's not it. But she was just asking in faith, and God granted her her petition out of grace. This is totally grace, absolutely grace. So now as you, as you start to wrap your mind around God giving us gifts of grace, I want you to think about what does God desire that we learn from his gifts? Now, there are lots of different answers you could give for this because every gift is different and your context is different. But are there bottom line shared lessons that we have to learn from gifts of God's grace? I think there are. I think there are. And we'll see that in the life of Hannah because her story doesn't end here. As we go into chapter 2 of 1 Samuel, Hannah is going to continue to teach us by her life. She's going to display how we should respond when we are recipients of God's grace and what we can learn, what kind of lessons we can hold on to because God is working his good grace in our lives and giving us so many things that we don't deserve. So let's start in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 1. Hannah's song of thanksgiving. Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in Yahweh. My mouth speaks boldly against my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is no one holy like Yahweh. Indeed, there is no one besides you, nor is there any rock like our God. 
Boast no more so very proudly. Do not let arrogance come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and with him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are shattered. The bows of the mighty are shattered. But the feeble gird on strength. Those who were full hire themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry cease to hunger. Even the barren gives birth to seven, but she who has many children languishes. The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. Yahweh makes poor and rich. He brings low. He also exalts. He raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with nobles and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he set the world on them. He keeps the feet of his godly ones, but the wicked ones are silenced in darkness. For not by might shall a man prevail. Those who contend with Yahweh will be shattered. Against them he will thunder in the heavens. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth, and he will give strength to his king and will exalt the horn of his anointed. That's a beautiful prayer, beautiful song, isn't it? She is testifying not only to the goodness of God, but to the sovereign power of God. He kills and makes alive. He brings down to the grave, and then he raises up out of the grave. He opens the womb of the barren, and she gives birth to seven. What an amazing perspective Hannah had. And how did she get that perspective? By being a recipient of God's grace. There are some people out there who will say, you know, if, if God just freely gives people what they want, if he freely gives people the desires of their heart, even salvation, if it's just freely given, no one learns anything from that. No one's going to change. No one's going to live godly. No one's going to recognize him as holy and live holy in response to that. Well, I think this glimpse from the life of Hannah really puts that matter to bed, doesn't it? <laughs> Here she is, a recipient of grace, didn't earn this child, and yet in return gives the child back to the Lord and sings this beautiful original song where she's declaring his sovereign power, his holiness, his might, his goodness, his faithfulness, his control over the world, submitting herself to him in prayer, desiring to do what's right before him, all because of grace. Grace is powerful, my friend, and God is full of it. God is overflowing with grace. This is what makes biblical Christianity different from every religion in the world. It's grace. It's grace. Here we see a God who gives to undeserving people salvation, the desire of their heart, Good gifts. And what does he get out of it? Worship. Praise. Honor. Glory. People ascribing worth to God's name and living as though they believe it's true. He gets people who live from a changed heart, from a changed mind, from a renewed perspective, who want to honor him with their lives because of 
his grace. Not because he asked them to earn it, but because he's full of grace. I think that's so sweet and so awesome. I love the story of Hannah. And her name's a palindrome. I'm a big fan of palindromes, and Hannah is a great six-letter palindrome. (laughs) But more important than all of that, she was a recipient of God's grace, and she was changed by it. I think that's just so sweet, so good. Thanks for joining me today. If you have any thoughts or questions on grace, the gospel, the Bible, reach out, comment on this wherever you're watching or listening. Send me a message, whatever you'd like. Um, Yeah, I'd love to talk to you more about God's grace. Hope you're having a great late spring. May God bless you.